Look out, he's going for the yeah. win right now. Kelly says, forget kicking a PAT here and playing for double OT. We're going for two in the dub and control of the SEC West. And LSU keeping the offense out there, looking to go for two and the win. After all this, comes down to one play to win. Comes down to one play here in overtime. 31-30, Alabama leads. Daniels for the win. Caught. It's gone. LSU does it. Caught. Right corner of the end zone. Mason Taylor. Tigers win. Tigers win. And the fans storm the field. Brian Kelly says, we're going to win this one. Mason, what was that, dude? 
What was that? That was the best noise you have ever heard in your life so far this year. Okay, okay, may- maybe I'm being a little too hyperbolic. Maybe it's just second, uh, only behind the uh, cries of, of your new child. But that was the best thing ever, Mason. And I have been waiting. I, I have given you time. I haven't brought it up in our text messages so far since it happened. But Mason, it freaking happened, dude. And I called it. All right. So first thoughts here on what transpired on Saturday, dude. First of all, I take a week off and you go all Bush League on me, throwing this video at me. What are we doing out here? I don't quite appreciate it. I think I agree with you that I would rather listen to my child crying right now than hear that again. So who knows? But anyways, Cam, congratulations. It is what it is. LSU finally got the win. That wasn't a Joe Burrow win. Screw Joe Burrow. But... (laughs) Taking shots at Joe Burrow too. That's how butthurt I am. <laughs> don't 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 call out my boy, dude. All right. Don't call out Joe. All right. Well, look, I might fight you. Look, that was I gotta hand it to you. That was an awesome win. Just being honest. That was probably the best I've seen LSU play in a long time that wasn't a Joe Burrow game. Just being honest. And I, I mean, would you agree or disagree with that? Because dude, dude, it was, was such a great game. It was, was a great game the whole time for both sides. I mean, it was down to the wire. And uh, huh, down to the wire. Nice plug. Um, and uh, <laughs> dude, it was like it, it was a really good game. And, and I'm super proud of the guys like and I don't know if you listen to the episode, Mason, but like I was just like in this spot and honestly probably would have talked about it more if we were together last week on. I didn't know what to think of the game. Like it was just like one of those like head versus heart type things. But also my head really didn't also didn't really know. My heart knew what it wanted. My head, I was like, I really don't know what to think of this game. And so I went in, I was like, I'm kind of hopeful, but I also don't want to get my hopes up and and be like just destroyed and and depressed. (laughs) And then like it got to the third quarter and into the fourth when all the scoring happened and everything. And I I don't know how much you use Twitter, but I, I tweeted a GIF and it was Michael Scott that said, yep. I'm ready to get hurt again because that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I'm in it now. They sucked me in with how they did it. And I was ready to be hurt again a la 2012 and 2014, dude. Like, I was just ready for it. I was setting myself up and I was okay with it at that point. I was just ready. And <laughs> and I, listen, we'll get into some other stuff. We're probably going to dive super deep into this game and just talk, go off on all these different tangents here. Um, but let's kind of start with the game itself and then we'll try and get off on all the other side stuff. I know I have questions I want to ask you. I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on, on everything at Bama, what's going on there, but let's just talk the game itself. Okay. Um, again, we didn't really get to talk about it much, uh, in the lead up, um, because you were becoming a dad, which was awesome. Congratulations to you and Becca. Thank Um, you. Thank you. But let's, let's talk. Was there anything in the game, um, and I'm sure there was, but what in the game really kind of surprised you that you really was not expecting at all to happen that ended up happening on Saturday? Obviously, LSU won. But besides that, matchups, offense, defense, offensive line, defensive line, cornerbacks. I mean, just go wherever you kind of want to go here, Mason. What were things that really surprised you that that happened or didn't happen in the game? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, 
most of the matchups went kind of how I expected. I expected LSU to be able to get a little bit of pressure on Bryce. I knew our wide receivers wouldn't be able to get open. Our running game was just going to be kind of there if we actually attempted to run the ball, which we never do because Bill O'Brien's an idiot. So there's that. (laughs) But the one thing that I will say that really surprised me was LSU's ability to keep Bryce Young contained. Um, One of Bryce Young's greatest features is that he can get outside the pocket and make every single person miss and then find an open wide receiver. Um, I don't know how he does it half the time, but in the game, he just wasn't able to do it because they had the linebacker um, spying him. The freshman, you could probably tell everybody his name. I don't remember Harold freaking Perkins, dude. Insane. That that was an insane performance by that guy. Most people, especially when they're trying to put a spy on Bryce, it just never works because it just leaves somebody else wide open for some reason. And But going into this game, that's kind of what I expected again was Bryce Young was going to be able to work his magic. And it just wasn't able to happen because they had him contained most of the game, which I was not expecting to happen at all. And I expected it to tilt the other way at some point in the game where Bryce was going to make plays. Um, yeah, so that's where he I was. He made one. Yeah, he made one. one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, to me, I know it was so early in the game, but I think one of the turning points of the game was honestly that first interception on the very first Alabama drive because you saw what was able to happen. Like Bryce Young did his thing. He made a couple of people miss. He got got to the front of the pocket. He had an open wide receiver. He just made a bad bad throw. And then from there, it's kind of when you saw LSU's defense changing a little bit. I don't think they were necessarily spying him on the first drive, but from there on out, they definitely were. They had – Perkins on him the entire time. Yeah, and, and um, if I dove a little bit more into the game, one of the matchups is obviously uh, LSU defensive backs, which are which is full of transfers, by the way. I mean, there there's two – both of our, our main starting safety who had been hurt most of the year came back for his first time and played. Basically, everybody that's been playing up to this point has been a transfer besides Jay Ward, who's been there for a while, but – our starting outside cornerbacks in Jarek Bernard Converse, which got the interception, and uh, Mikkel Gardner um, on the other side. Both of those guys are a fifth-year or six-year transfer from Oklahoma State, and the other one's a sophomore junior transfer from Louisiana Lafayette. So you got transfers in playing in the secondary against uh, an Alabama wide receiver group, which hasn't been terrible. good really terrible. at all. There's uh, a ter- terrible. Um, and, and I know that uh, just kind of listening to a few people out here or uh, even, you know, listening to people just in the national media when they're bringing on guests to talk about the game was um, the Louisville wide receiver, Tyler Harrell, which nobody has seen except like what, a couple of plays against Mississippi State. At the very the end only of the time. Game too. And, and and people were saying in the lead up, oh, I think this is the time or this is the game that he's going to come out and and you know, do something and prove that, Hey, they finally have a deep threat and all this, this, that, and the other. And I was just sitting there. It's like, man, listen, if he's not out there, like the, the week before bye week like getting legit reps with the ones, like there's no way that he's ready. And there's no way that he'd be able to get the reps enough reps with Bryce to get on the same page and everything. Cause Bryce is probably hardly practicing right now because of the shoulder. So like, yeah, he, there's there, like, is. there's no way that, that he's going to be able to like, it's possible that he could play and maybe he does make a deep threat, but he's not going to be that consistent guy because like he hasn't done it all year. And for you to expect it, I just didn't, I just thought that was a really bad expectation. Uh, people are starting to have, but you know, you're yeah, kind of hopeful the, that maybe it'll blow up, but it didn't obviously. I think the problem with that is like, 
our wide receivers the entire season have been inconsistent. So you're trying to get Bryce Young on the same page with all the wide receivers who aren't playing well at all. And so you're trying to say, Jermaine Burton, we need more out of you. Trayshawn Holden, we need more out of you. Like Kobe Prentice, like I can go down the list of guys who have just underperformed in that area. And so when you're trying to get Bryce Young on the same page with those guys, it's kind of hard to filter in Tyler Harrell, who's been hurt most of the season, and then just say, okay, like here's your reps. Go for it. Like it is what it is. So it's just – it was atrocious, dude. This is a disgusting wide receiver room. I can't stand it. I'm ready for it to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's crazy. So, so that's the offensive side. Um, obviously, the LSU defensive line just ate y'all's line for lunch. I mean, yeah. like it, it was, it was bad. And and, and they kept bringing it up on the broadcast. Uh, I know Herbie was, but you know the way to affect Bryce with him not being prototypical NFL quarterback with him being shorter, kind of like a Drew Brees is you push the middle of the pocket and they were able to do that consistently. And then as soon as he got out of the pocket, Harold Perkins is there. BJ Ojolari is there. All those guys that are super good pass rushers. And, and honestly, like you can make an argument that Harold Perkins was the best player on the field last the other night as a true freshman. Uh, and, and those guys did what they did and they've been showing it year week after week everybody uh i know you probably don't listen at all to to lsu media at all but every single uh beat writer had kept bringing up or radio host had kept bringing up how are we gonna get bj ojalari and um and harold perkins on the field at the same time because they've been playing the position the same position all year how do you get both of those guys because they're your best pass rushers and best players how do you get them on the field at the same time and they found a way in the bye week, and it obviously worked out for them. Um, now, now let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball for Alabama. What surprised you uh, in Alabama's defense and LSU's offense uh, in the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jay and Daniel's speed is insane, but like everybody knows that. Everybody knows he's great on the ground. His accuracy in the game was insane to me because that's one thing that he's been coming along so far this season i think this was just peak Jaden daniels at this point um the way he was able he was just tossing the ball to everybody dude it was kind of insane and then popping off huge runs i mean the last run in, in overtime was insane um that's one thing i was not expecting i knew he was going to be able to kind of tear us up on the ground because we've just been struggling on the t line and our linebackers aren't super fast so i knew he was going to be able to have success there but throwing the ball i was not expecting that to come out of him at all <laughs> yeah i mean and, and if you if anybody goes back and listens to our preview uh, our sec preview uh you would have heard me say and and this isn't me coming up with this this is what i've heard from ryan clark which is a big time espn uh guy played in the nfl played at lsu um and and here and he had a son that played at Arizona State or still plays at Arizona State. So he's watched Jane Daniels for a long time before he even came to LSU. And this is and, and this is what he said about Jane Daniels. Whenever he's on and he's rolling, it's Heisman like. And and you, that's that's what it looked like against Alabama. It wasn't the most insane passing yards you've ever seen or passing performance. I mean, 22 of 32, which is really good. He only passed for a buck 82. So it wasn't like a ton, but the the yardage and the passes he made were timely. And then it was like always said, the perfect moment too. Like every time it was a third down and like eight, it was always just perfect pass. It was he was finding the right guy, the open guy. It was it was impressive for sure. 
Yeah, so 182 yards and two touchdowns, and then he ran 18 times for 95 yards and a touchdown. So three total touchdowns in a game. Um, and and uh, let, let me actually get to the box score real quick because I did want to bring this up. Um, LSU gave up six sacks that game. Um, one to Henry Toto, one and a half to Dallas Turner, a half to Tim Smith, a half to Chris Broswell, a half to DJ Dale. Um, really? I, I thought somebody had two. I could have sworn one of your guys had two. Who is 47? Uh, Byron Young. Byron Young. It shows he only had one, but I am pretty sure he had two. I think uh, Will got had, one, too. Because I feel like he had two um, on the same drive. Yeah, Will got one as well. So Will had one, and he had a TFL. So, so the Alabama defense had six sacks and 11 tackles for loss. Pretty good, right? Like you, you see her. That is yeah, like okay, I mean, yeah, they dominated, right? And yeah. you still gave up thirty-two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, that's what was supposed to happen against two freaking freshman tackles. Like you're gonna give up a, a solid number of sacks. You're gonna have a, a a good amount of pressure on the quarterback. But he just came out and was making every play that he needed to make, which was not expecting one bit at all. Not, not even close. It wasn't even crossing my mind. I was a little worried we were going to get killed on the ground, but in the air, no, not, not no chance. <laughs> Proved me wrong, though. Yeah, man. I I'm mean, just glad it, I wasn't here last week to tell you all that, so I can't <laughs> technically eat my words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't get to be here, so I didn't play a clip of you saying something <laughs> to play. Like, I, like I basically did to myself last week with my Notre Dame trash talk, which yes. freaking Notre Dame beautiful takes out Clemson and and that two in was a row crazy. actually two in a row, too. dude, two in a row on me, man. What the heck is up with my Notre Dame things? I guess my Notre Dame hate just needs to be over. Uh, but yeah, and, and again, like the the key to the game for LSU was. Can you do enough stalemates on the offensive line against a great, a great Alabama defensive edges? Yeah, um, for sure. Definitely not the. Obviously, they are not. The, this is not the best Alabama middle of Alabama defense when it comes to the defensive line. But the edges, oh yeah, I mean that's you have Dallas Turner, you have Will Anderson. Will Anderson could. Is probably going to be the number one pick of the draft. You have those guys going going up against true freshman tackles. The, the talk all week was, don't let thirty one beat you because he can. He ha- he's possibly he has the he can have that game where he just beats you. Um, and uh, he he, it was it seemed like hey it, it could go that way man and thankfully thankfully it, it didn't but um, <laughs> uh yeah man so it, it was. Is crazy, and then Kayshawn being the lead, leading wide receiver didn't get a touchdown, but leading wide receiver, and then Mason Taylor having a great game with the touchdown catch over the shoulder, and then the uh, the two point conversion, ob- obviously. So, um, are there any kind of? Uh, I guess another thing. So something that LSU struggled with all year was special teams, and that was the other area that I was kind of concerned about. How are we going to do on special teams? And they freaking won today because of field position, dude. Alabama's best yeah. field position for the cool. whole game was when they kicked the ball out of bounds on a kickoff and it was at the 35 yard line. That yeah. was the best field position all game. The rest of them was like 25, 25, 21, 11, 19. Like y'all were forced to drive the whole field all game. 
and I want to say there was about a three possession possession stretch that Alabama had where they started right around the ten yard line. Yeah, backed up against the student section too. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, that's just brutal. Like that's hard. That's hard to win against. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we didn't. Again, I, we're gonna we're kind of jumping back and forth here. But but let's go back to Bryce. Uh, obviously, didn't have his best game. Uh, threw for under fifty percent. Threw an interception. Only threw one touchdown, and that was on a busted play where. He did his Houdini magic. He only did it one time, but he did it. Um, would you say that? What do you kind of blame that on? Like, do you blame that on play calling? Do you blame that on wide receivers? Do you blame it on his arm? Was he just spooked at the environment, which is for, at like obviously possible? Um, what What do you kind of? What do you kind of point to in, in that kind of performance? I would say it was all the above except for the environment because he's he's a year in now and he knows what the environment was coming, what was going to come at him. So I don't think he was spooked by that. The thing is, is that was probably the worst start to finish Bryce Young game that he's had so far in his career. I mean, he was missing passes. He was throwing balls into the dirt. He took a couple sacks. Um, and that was one thing that like, Going into the game, I, I knew Bryce Young was going to be able to save us. And it just felt like constantly he was kind of being let down. And I honestly think a lot of it was play calling. Because, I mean, you have to be able to establish the run. And Alabama, almost like they completely abandoned it and said, save us Bryce here already in the freaking first quarter. Which, to me, you're taking Bryce Young, you're taking his superpower almost away and saying, we can protect you a little bit, you go save us. And it was none of that. And so it was almost like he got spooked because he got hit early. The shoulder might have been bothering him a little bit. I don't know about that. But when you get hurt, hit early and they're already putting a lot of pressure on you, he was throwing the ball too early a lot of times, throwing it in the dirt, just looking to avoid hits. I just think it was a, an insane amount of things that just added all up into one just really bad game for him. And it all comes back to Bill O'Brien, so which I am so sick of that dude. So okay, so let's go there, Mason. Okay, and, and, and let's talk Alabama just as a program. And, and this is something that we kind of have touched on a little bit. Um, obviously, there's probably going to be wholesale changes, and probably you and the rest of the Bama fans that I have talked to have been over Bill O'Brien since last year. So obviously, yes. you want to see a change there. Uh, I assume that you probably might want to change a defensive coordinator. Yes. <laughs> Look, here's my thing with Pete Golden. I was okay with him because Alabama wasn't necessarily getting killed the entire time. They weren't getting killed 24-7 on defense. And they were basically having a bend but don't break style of defense, which I was okay with because I was trusting Nick Saban. And then it all just fell apart against LSU. Everything broke. And it's just time to move on, find something different. For both sides of the ball, honestly, especially offense. I'm so sick of Bill O'Brien. I don't understand half the stuff that he does. I don't understand half the, time, half the plays he calls. There's so many times where all they have to do is just run the ball, and it would be fine. I know your offensive line isn't isn't the best ever, but it's good enough to run and get four yards. It's whatever. I just don't understand. I'm ready for that guy to be gone, and I'm okay with Pete Colton being, being gone too. Okay, so so let's get to running the ball. And whenever Bryce is out and uh, you saw Milrow and, and you guys ran the ball like you did against Texas A&M, you know, the comment or the question that I asked was, hey, you know, you guys finally ran the ball 
and and try to make it a focus to run the ball, are you really going to want to do that when you have Bryce? Or would you be patient enough that you have the best quarterback in college football? Are you disciplined enough to, hey, we need to run the ball, we're running the ball? And my question was, like, you think that's actually going to happen when you have Bryce Young over there? And so far, the answer is no. You have Bryce Young, so it's like, hey, we have Bryce Young. He can he can lead us the way. I know we have a first round at running back in Gibbs, which apparently the only thing that they're comfortable having him run is outside zone. Like, you're like I get he's a great pass catcher. He's your leading wide receiver, which is insane that that's even the case at Alabama. But um, <laughs> it, it just feels like you. Again, like you, there's just no sense of urgency to do what Nick Saban teams used to always do, and that is break your will by running the ball. Yes, one hundred percent. And like, you can. Go it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain because I think um, if you go back to it, like when Lane Kiffin first came over. Before Lane Kiffin took over, that's what it was. Like, we were pounding you in the ground. You weren't going to do anything about it. And then once Kiffin started, that's when you kind of saw the evolution of, okay, we need to go a little bit faster. We need to get more wide receivers involved. But we're still going to ground and pound because we can still do that. And we're still great at it. And then Sarkeesian came, and it was a little bit more of the other way. Like, I felt like Kiffin kind of split it 50-50 as well as he could. Sark came in with Tua and was like, hey, okay. Four first-round wide ball. receivers. Yeah, Exactly. We got four first-rounders. Like, we need to throw the ball more. But still with that, we have Najee Harris. He can run over guys. Like, we can still trust him to go get the yards when we need it. And then now it's just like ever since Bill O'Brien came in, and I don't know if it's just like, hey, we have Bryce Young, so we're going to let Bryce Young be Bryce Young. That's just not the way that Alabama has ever operated. And – like you're seeing it now because we just absolutely can't run the ball. And like Jameer Gibbs is a great running back. Jason McClellan, really solid running back. When he gets in, he always does something well with the ball. It's just like they're not trusting the guys to go out there and do it, which I mean, if that's, I don't know if that's a running back problem, an O-line problem, or if it's an O'Brien problem. Like it feels like it's an O'Brien problem just because of how everything else has been going in the past. So I, I don't know where, where they're going to go with it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it honestly just comes down to Nick Saban, obviously. Like, this is – like, every, yeah. all the fingers point back to Nick. And and you and, and all the other Bama fans can point the finger at Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding all you want. But the fact is, Nick has autonomy to be like, we're running the ball. Like, he can yes, complain 100%. it at halftime to, the half, to, to, the, to Holly Rowe all he wants. But until he actually puts his foot down and says, we are running the ball, and whether that is, hey, they're calling a run play and Bryce is checking it, that's another question. And and then that's a conversation he needs to have with Bryce. But if if he isn't dictating what his team does, then that's a complete failure. And that, like, honestly, like, that's not the Nick Saban we know. That everybody yes, is from one hundred percent. So one hundred percent. What's your thoughts on Nick now that we're at okay. this point? <laughs> Look, I owe my college football life to Nick Saban <laughs> with the amount of stuff that he has done for the University of Alabama. But we're at a point now where, like, 
I don't almost don't even recognize this this Alabama team compared to even like four years ago. Like it's just night and day difference. Like there's no discipline. They don't play with an edge. They are committing every single foul and getting penaltied at every moment of every second of every game. And it's just like I don't know how to explain like his personality now, but he's like calmed down a little bit. I don't know if it's NIL stuff. He's trying to get guys to stay out of the transfer portal. Like it just doesn't feel like the same Nick Saban team. I know he's getting older. I don't want to say, I can't say that he's losing it. You know what I mean? Like he's still the goat, but it just feels like there are moments in a game where Alabama has a chance to, well, I'll do, I'll say this. In at the fourth in the fourth quarter of the game, Alabama scores a touchdown to go up by four. They go for two. Why do you go for two? There's no there's no point in going for two right there because it, it remains a, a, a field goal game, and we saw it at the end. LSU, or Alabama was able to kick field goal, tie the game, whatever. If Alabama just kicks the extra point instead of going for two, it's a five point game. The Will Riker field goal at the end wins the game for you and says it ties it and sends it to overtime. There's no point in going for two just to try and be up by six. So that like it's like little things like that where it's just like I don't know if Nick Saban just is like losing it or what. Like I'm starting to panic a little bit when it comes to it because like I don't know what to do at this point. You're not firing Nick Saban. That's so stupid. Nick Saban can die on freaking at Brian Denny if he wanted to. I would be happy about that. <laughs> but I don't know. It just like it feels like he's losing his edge just a little bit, which I think is unfortunate. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen this offseason because if O'Brien or Golding are back, then I think that's going to be a bad indicator for good old Nick. Because, I mean, if they're both gone, then I think Nick Saban will be back in action next year. So here, here's what, I will, what, I'll, what I'll say on this. And, and everybody, after every single Alabama loss, it seems, everybody is always quick to be like, oh, Dynasty's dead. It's over. Yeah, yeah. We're finally, oh, yeah. moving on. Um, and I and I say that jokingly to friends, just because it's just so absurd to think to think that. Um, I don't think I have ever been as sure, and I, I'm not saying that I'm like 100 percent confident in this, but I don't think I've ever been as sure that we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel on the current state of Alabama football with Nick Saban. Now, yes. whether that's next year or two years or even five years from now, that, that remains to be seen, obviously. And and it, it's very possible that, you know, they go back and Nick hires a great staff in the off season and your guys are back in the championship and all this kind of stuff next year. But um, it, it feels like it's getting there now. I agree, one hundred percent. And and I and I'll ask you this, man: You have the best quarterback in school history, and have failed to win a championship. Is this the biggest failure in Nick Saban's career? In his career, I don't know about career. The stint with the Dolphins didn't feel great, but if you want to just talk about Alabama career, I would probably say so. Just. A, with the amount of talent that you had on the team last year, I know some guys got hurt, and I'm one of the Alabama fans that really feels like if the wide receivers were healthy, we beat Georgia, and it's not even a question. So I know some of them were still hurt. 
you look at the depth that Alabama kind of has right now and the key positions where they need it, it's just not there right now. And it just feels like you have this Bryce Young guy who should be leading you to championship after championship and then just go and be the number one pick. And it's like, okay, he got the Heisman. He's going to be the number one pick, but where where's the championship? He got the SEC championship, but it feels like when you have somebody of Bryce Young's caliber being coached by Nick Saban, it's like almost your guarantee. You should be guaranteed a championship. That's, how, that's how, honestly how I felt going into last year and going into this year. I kind of felt like it was going to be a championship and I wasn't even worried about it. And now like it's you're, you're empty handed after both seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, just I mean, listen to this. I mean, we're talking about Nick Saban in Alabama, who has had number one recruiting class after number one recruiting class. Probably the worst they've finished in the past three or four years is what, maybe two or three. So you're getting top three classes every year, along with cherry picking the best players on teams. Go to Vanderbilt and take their best offensive lineman for tackle. Go to Georgia Tech and take a first round pick in Jameer Gibbs. Go to Georgia and take at their time at the time a number one wide receiver in Jermaine Burton. Go to Tennessee a couple years ago and take their best linebacker in Henry Toto. Go to LSU and get their best, what would have been their best cornerback uh, in Eli Ricks, which is a clown, by the way. So glad that he lost. Okay. Um, <laughs> You go and, and you're cherry picking guys. The one guy you didn't get, Jordan Addison, he's at SC. But you go and cherry pick the best players in transfer portal, along with having the generational talent in Bryce Young and having these number one recruiting classes stacked up, along with having probably the number one pick in the draft and Will Anderson on the other side of the ball. And this is what you get. Now, now in your two losses, you lost by a combined of four points, which doesn't sound bad. But this has been a building thing. The thing that everybody is so used to with Alabama is they're going to go and dominate. They might have one game every year where it's a scare, and then they kind of wake up and then go and dominate the rest of the time. Or they might have one game where they kind of slip up and then they go and dominate the time. That's how it was between 2008 and, what, 2018, 2019. I mean, I don't count the COVID year because all that crap was weird. Whatever. You can count it if you want to. But that's the best team, best college football team of all time. What are you talking about? Uh, that is false, sir. Okay, that that belongs <laughs> to 2019 LSU, and I will fight you physically about that. Okay, um, but we can we can save that argument for another. We can day. save that argument for the off season. <laughs> um, but I mean, all the way from 2010 to 2020, whatever year you want to put there, it's dominant performance after dominant performance, especially on the road, and you go and choke them out, and that has not been the case since COVID since all the world changes when it comes to recruiting, since the transfer portal. Obviously, like, Nick Saban doesn't want football to be as it is right now. He doesn't like the open transfer portal. He doesn't like NIL. He doesn't like all this stuff. And so it does seem like he doesn't like it, but he's taking advantage of the transfer portal stuff and trying to bring in these top players to fit his rosters that his coaches can't apparently build up new wide receivers and coach up new offensive linemen to take their spots. So you're getting into these transfer portals. You, and, and this was kind of my concern. I hadn't said it, but here, this is my concern for Alabama, especially when it came to wide receivers. You hit the jackpot with Jamison Williams at wideout last year in the transfer portal. Oh yeah. Who like before that happened, I honestly had never heard the guy. Mm. And so nobody expected that to happen, but it happened. He was number one overall, like a first round pick. Because of that yeah. success, 
coaches thinking, hey, we can just go and duplicate that. We'll go get this guy over at Georgia and this other guy over at Louisville and we'll be set. Like, we don't have to develop our players or if we can, we can, you know, slowly develop them. And obviously it has bit them. You go listen to Kirby Smart over at Georgia. They haven't taken a single player in the transfer portal. They have the same basic basic roster that's building up with these guys. Georgia is becoming the new Alabama, How as unfortunate as that sounds. Um, because, like, did you did you see what they just did at Tennessee, which we all thought was consistent number one? I mean, they dominated that team and probably could have named their score if they wanted to, but took their foot off the gas at the end. Um, again, it we've kind of gone off on, on talking tangents here, but like it, <laughs> if, if we are Alabama fan, like I'm not saying, Hey, it's over now, but there are definite concerns. I don't think so either. Like I do think that we're kind of on the downward slope of the dynasty. I don't think that means that Alabama's not winning a championship here in the next couple of years. They're not going to be not competing for the next couple of years. Like that's not where I'm at. I just think the thing right now is like, Alabama got has gone away from their identity like almost completely. Like it was always Alabama was dominating the trenches and like it it was just never going to nobody was ever going to beat them in the trenches. Like that was never going to be a thing. And now it's just like we're air raid, we're going to throw the ball all, all over the field and see what happens next. We're all about points, we're all about speed, and this is what's going to happen. You're not able to put up the same amount of points. You don't have the same same speed that you have in the past. Like you're trying to be wide receiver focused. Your wide receivers aren't good. And because of that, the trenches suffer. Like if it always felt like every year Alabama has a guy in the middle of the defense who is a bona fide superstar, whether it's on the D-line or it's a linebacker, it is what it is. Like, and there's always like two guys on the offensive line who are going to be going first round. Like that's how Alabama has always been. And it's just like here in the last like two years, it's just nothing. Like you have Will Anderson, he's on the edge. He's not he's not stuff in the middle. He's not creating chaos right up the middle of the field. And it's just like Alabama's gone away from their identity, which is making that's why I'm thinking that we're on the downward slope of the dynasty right now. I'm not saying it's over. I don't believe that at all. I'm not one of those fans, but it is coming and I'm hoping it's later than sooner <laughs> yeah for sure okay well well we've talked plenty about the losers and we'll get back to the losers in a minute. um but, but let's let's talk about the winners and lsu <laughs> storming the field see okay i didn't understand them doing a like very soft storming of the field against old miss I freaking knew if we were winning this game, that field was being stormed and it was going to be freaking insane. And it looked awesome. And if only I was there, that would have been awesome. But I missed out on giving, getting to give you crap about the Ole Miss storming. Yeah, field. that was stupid, dude. I didn't understand that one, but I totally understand this one. <laughs> Should have done it. Yeah. And they did it. It was amazing. Wonderful environment. But, but let's talk Brian Kelly here. First time that he's beaten Nick Saban. Um, and, and let's talk. This is an LSU team. Uh, and we talked about this already before. Um, previous episodes uh, that going to the bowl game last year, they had like 38 or 39 scholarship players to play a bowl game last year had to braid the transfer portal to just be able to field a competent team, lose their first game neutral site against Florida state because they couldn't block an extra point at the end, get drugged by Tennessee at home and since then, man, they have got gotten their stride. 
and they looked great against Florida on the road. They looked great against Ole Miss, and then they put together this performance uh, with Brian Kelly's first ever win against Nick Saban, and they have full control of the SEC West. If you would have told me, Mason, in the offseason, hey, LSU (laughs) is going to beat Bama and is going to be in first place in the West, I would have told you you are insane. I would have been like, dude, that would be the like, that would have been the most awesome thing that I've ever heard. But you're crazy. <laughs> like that's probably not going to happen. LSU's at a point right now where they have to try to lose the SEC West right now. They, they so, play Arkansas this week, <laughs> which is like classic trap game at 11 a.m. in Fayetteville. Yeah. I'm really not that worried about it because of how this team has played and how this team's identity seems to be. But it's like classic trap game. But yeah, like in order for us to lose the West, y'all have to lose the, to y'all have to lose the Ole Miss, which I that's not going to happen. No, I think y'all got it anyways right now because you got the uh, so we have the tiebreaker. So both us and Ole Miss both have one SEC loss. That this is how it would have to happen. The only the way that LSU would lose the West is if they lose a game and Ole Miss wins out. If LSU loses to yeah. Arkansas or A and M and Ole Miss wins out, Ole Miss has only one loss they're in. The only other way that LSU the, – the way that LSU can win is Ole Miss loses, and then if you're LSU, you only have to win one of Arkansas and A&M, which I think will win both. Yep. But like you, did, like you said, you have to try to lose it. If Ole Miss loses, then basically you have exactly. to lose out your last two SEC games. Um, but – Exactly. You you would have told me that, dude. You say, "Hey, you are probably going to go to the SEC championship game this year." You're like, "There's no way." With uh, how much turnover yeah. we've had, like, I think we're going to have a good year. But like, to have an opportunity to go ten and two, like, crazy. Like, we we talked about this after the Tennessee game. Like, what what were my expectations? How did I think the team was expectations? Gonna, yeah, gonna yeah, finish. Yeah. And you know, I sat here like, listen, we'll probably lose to Bama, and but we'll still have a good season. Maybe have four four losses. Maybe a nine and three. But, um, I mean, that that's kind of what my expectations were. And then this happens. Like, I wasn't super confident in the game, but I had hope. And then as the game kept progressing and kept progressing, I was like, okay, I'm here now. Like, I'm, I'm part of it. I'm ready to get hurt again. And, and, and part of that was so, – so let me say this when it comes to a program in general. Obviously, the 2019 LSU season and game against Bama is like the best thing that has ever happened. But this game, and, and, and if you just listen to the past, and they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast, LSU, and, and even in the series, the road team has dominated this series. Alabama has only lost like nine or ten times in Baton Rouge in history. Like, that, like for whatever reason, Alabama plays really well in Baton Rouge, and for whatever reason, LSU plays really well in Tuscaloosa. Like, that's just how, how it's worked somehow. Whereas it's the opposite in the Auburn season series. The home team always wins that game, but – um, for whatever reason. And, and then you go down the list, okay? The last time LSU beat Alabama was in 2010 and that year. And then the next couple of times, LSU in 2012 was the Yeldon play. 2014, LSU had him beat with Zach Mettenberger, or not with Zach Mettenberger, with um, freaking uh, Anthony Jennings at quarterback. Had him beat, right? Blake freaking Sims, after us kicking the ball out of bounds, drives down, <laughs> ties the game, and you win in overtime. <laughs> like, like this was like, 
And then after that, it was 2016. We got blank 10 to nothing. And then 2018 was the 31 to nothing game, even though it was like 10 to nothing and going into like the third or fourth quarter or something like that. So like it had just been a literally my thoughts running through my brain as we're going through the fourth quarter is, oh, here we go again. We're, we're, it's a, <laughs> we're about to blow it like the 2012 and 2014 games. Like I, I can see it happening. It's about to happen. Oh, Bama just scored a touchdown. We're down four. It's over. Like I, I didn't even care about the extra point because it really didn't matter to me at that point at the time. And then when he scores, like, okay, cool. And then you see Bryce Young driving down the field towards the end. It's like, dude, we're somehow going to bust the coverage and we're going to lose right here. Like, is it going to happen? Oh, we're going into overtime. Oh, we're, we're about to lose. It. Like yeah. that was literally this. Oh, here it comes, dude. Like, here it comes. Like, I'm just sitting there waiting for it to happen because that's how it – like, we basically been trained as LSU fans. When you're at home against Bama, <laughs> something's going to happen and you're just going to lose off of this, like, crazy thing at the end. And then, like, it didn't happen. And it feels like – it feels like we exercise demons <laughs> from our home games against Bama. That's how it felt. And, like <laughs> – Obviously, 2019 is like tops, but this is like 1B to me was this game and like just what happened. Like it was just it was just amazing. And I have not been able to stop watching videos of the storm fielding and of the last play. It's just been amazing. But like it's it's just been a crazy ride from losing to Florida State with the emotional toll that I had on there with with the freaking field goal and then going to Baton Rouge for the LSU Tennessee game and basically just sitting down the whole time because it was just a horrible game <laughs> to this. Like it's just been a crazy ride this season, dude. I'll say this. If I was in your shoes, I would honestly feel better about this win than I would 2019. I know 2019 probably meant a little bit more because it had been a while since LSU actually beat Alabama. But to me, this win just feels a lot different than it did, or this loss, and from my point of view, feels a lot different than it did in 2019. Just because that 2019 team was so just absolutely insane. Like they were supposed to win that game from the very first snap. And then coming in to this year, it just feels like the fight that you saw on the field from LSU, the preparation that was there from Brian Kelly, like it was just a masterclass on the field which is unfortunate. And like, it feels like the direction that LSU is going right now is a lot different than it was in 2019. Because I know me, I had zero faith in Coach O and I have all the faith in the world in Brian Kelly, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's how, how I'll say it. Um, 2019 was the get the monkey off your back type feeling. Like, oh man, we had this super long losing streak. We finally broke it. And then this one was, like I said, like we exercised demons. We pulled off the upset with a new coach. The new regime is here. Future's bright type thing, which are two completely different experiences. And, and, and I like, I can't rate one above the other. That's why one A, one B, like they're right there together uh, <laughs> on, on experiences there. Um, so again, I, I'm super excited for the future. I, I'm really excited for us to possibly be getting into Atlanta. I, I'm not going to say we are going until we actually officially clinch it. Okay. Cause I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We, we have hurt too many quarterbacks and screwed too many teams out of a good season so far this year. Mason, I am not doing it to my Tigers. Okay. I refuse. I, I refuse. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, and, and 
So, so let's go on to our, to our next segment here, Mason, that, that is brand new that I thought that we would do <laughs> just in honor of you and your uh, Alabama fan, uh, uh, just brother in here of, you know what, we're, we're going to the message boards, guys. We're going to read some comments <laughs> off of Reddit and some message boards from comments of fans after what just happened. So, so Mason, why don't you go ahead with, with the first one here? And we'll just kind of do a ping pong here back and forth on what we got. <laughs> Hold on. I got to refine it. <laughs> okay. Well, l- okay. I'll start. I'll start. Okay. You yeah, yours, we'll we'll yeah. start here. And this is probably like, oh, yeah, I, I totally agree here. Um, how can you fire O'Brien tomorrow is, is the title here on Reddit. How can you have the ball in field goal range with under a minute in a tie ball game and lose is beyond me? Terrible play calling. Reichert shouldn't have had to hit a 50-yarder because it didn't gain a single yard after the first down that put us in range. The pay calling is atrocious. The team has no discipline and gets flagged incessantly. This offense is only decent because of the talent on the field. It is past time for Bill O'Brien to go. This is, I think, after the Tennessee game, but it still applies here. Uh, then, then One of the comments here was, that's waiting too long. Pull a USC and leave them on the tarmac. <laughs> That one team <laughs> fired their coach on the field, Arizona State. Why don't we do that? <laughs> no, the world might end tomorrow. Fire O'Brien tonight. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I gotta, you got to love Alabama fans and their commitment to the hate of, of Bill O'Brien. All right, what, what do you have here, Mason? All right, so some of my favorite ones are, like I'm saying, it's just all the Bill O'Brien hate. And then... God, where did it go? I can't find it again. All the Saban ending. The dynasty's over. You got to love those. Saban's, Saban's done. I can't find the one that just absolutely had me on the ground. Okay, well then I'll, I'll keep reading some of these. And, and now I'm in the post-game thread. Keep going, keep so going. so I'll, I'll read some keep of these going. comments here and you just butt in whenever you finally found it, find it here. So, so here's one. 12 men after a timeout. How does that even happen? Well, no, 13 actually was a comment by that. Somebody said, I had the sound off by that point and was feeling pretty good about our chances stopping of stopping the play given the, the sheer manpower. <laughs> what a massive waste of Bryce's career. If only Sark could have seen it through. I'm sorry, but Bryce is part of the problem. There's something very off between him and the rest of the team this season. I don't know if he's afraid of getting hurt now that he's got his endorsements and who can blame him, but he's different from last year. Prove me wrong. Oh, here's a good one for you. Against us, down inside the five-yard line every time, it's never called. Of course, had the refs called the blatant black in the back on the 25-yard QB run for a touchdown at overtime. We probably have never been in that situation. I was talking about the pick play at the end. <laughs> so dumb, dude. Good so Lord. dumb. Get over the pick play. <laughs> it happened one time. <laughs> uh, Evidently, Saban must believe timeouts are for sissies. There are no other, no other explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Fire a Bill O'Brien two-point conversions. Yeah. The second one doesn't make any sense at all. Someone miscalculated. If it was Saban's decision, he should have vetoed it. It was stupid. This loss is on him, but the team as a whole is not up to the standard that Saban preaches. The coordinators are awful, and the team doesn't execute. Past, past time to shake things up. 
There it is. I don't claim this section of Alabama fans. I rebuke them. These are the Saban bots. These are the Saban Alabama football fans <laughs> right here. I don't know. Keep them. Keep them over there. We want the OGs. Probably looking at a three-loss season, have zero confidence they can win on the road next week. This team has no offensive identity whatsoever. <laughs> this was my pre-Saban childhood, watching promising Bama teams build up in the preseason, knowing only it was a matter of time before the season collapses into just beat Auburn and make bowl I've heard of mode. <laughs> Just wait until next season when Nick decides to bench an NFL first-round quarterback talent, Ty Simpson, because another guy has been there longer and unleashes Mr. Jalen, I can't throw a football mill row on the world. Yay, whoopee. <laughs> if, I'm, if I were law to and Saban is yelling at me for fumbling, I'd ask him why the F he's holding B.O.B. to a different standard than me. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> LSU did us a favor. At least we don't have to watch the team get embarrassed by Georgia and Atlanta now. Now nah, LSU and Ole Miss will find a way to force us in just to watch us die. <laughs> god, get these people out of here, dude. It's incredibly ironic that neither of the of arguably the two best quarterbacks in Alabama history were able to win a national championship as a starter. Unless Bryce comes back for his senior season, for some reason he's not going to win one. While Tua was a hero of the national championship, he never won as a starter. Oh my gosh. I can't claim that one. <laughs> Look, this never happened during the Mike Shula days because we all accepted L's. All right, so uh, I, I might have a couple more here. I got some thoughts about this game slash season. This is the most important. Bryce, I'm sorry you've had to play with mediocre wideouts this season. I'm even more sorry Bill O'Brien is your OC. The things I would give to see Bryce in Lane's or Sark's offense. Two, both coordinators got to go. Three, Gibbs, I appreciate you. Four, defense. Please, for the love of God Almighty, learn to tackle someone. It's becoming infuriating to watch week by week. Five, we need to recruit better at wideout. We just have a bunch of B guys with no true elite talent. Wanted that to be broke, but he's not there. Tyler Harrell is a ghost. Burton, not the splash I hoped he'd be. We need better weapons. Six, after Bryce, I don't know what the heck you're going to do. oh my god how the f did the defense not have the right people on the field for the two-point conversion after a timeout nick saban is the goat but if he brings back the same coordinators next season i'm gonna have serious doubts about him going forward (laughs) oh man look all this is telling me is that everybody agrees with me that bill o'brien needs to be fired don't even let him coach against Ole Miss. What are we doing? This team is gutless. Yeah, just let him. Gutless. It starts at the top. No fire. Complacent at best and lazy at worst with some of the <laughs> some of the crap I saw in this game. Somebody needs to call the new Auburn AD and just let him know that Bill O'Brien's <laughs> available. I'm sure he would love to Can have Can we him. please rehire Pruitt? <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> I was definitely not expecting a pre uh, name call out there, right there. That was that was a that was a good one. 
You see the overreaction, That's though? Great. This That's happens great. every time. I, I'll leave every you with time. this one. I'm going to get banned for this, but if you were to tell me we could have a complete coaching overhaul without a drop-in recruiting, I would at least entertain the thought. EOB and Golding are complete <laughs> clowns, and at this point, Saban continuing to even harbor the thought that either of these two are deserving of the program signifies to me he's getting outgunned. It's 100% Saban's fault <laughs> at this point. We are all well past the point of being able to just blame the coordinators. He knows what they are and has enabled it. We had our Kiffin. We had our Sark. And now we completely are outmatched in the X's and O's. Time for call it what it is. <laughs> Town phones won't change my mind whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Send B.O.B. back to the tarmac. <laughs> That's what we need. Uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> if y'all somehow God. beat Ole Miss or lose to Ole Miss, dude, which I again I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't even want um, to know. We, we're gonna do oh. this again. <laughs> like we're like it's freaking happening. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep that in our back pocket. Okay, so we we have gone fifty two <laughs> minutes just talking about this. So so let's go quickly and uh, what what are your thoughts on Georgia Tennessee? Frauds. Tennessee is some frauds. Get them out of here. You're fully, you're feeling, forget it. You're fully like just turning your back on him, bro. (laughs) No, not really. I'm just kidding. It's to me, it was more of how good uh, Georgia actually is. Um, The way they've been performing lately is just insane. For some reason, I overlooked the Oregon win and how awesome they were. And honestly, like they, they're that team again. They're the same team that they were last year. Honestly, they're probably winning the national championship. They're, they're that good. And I've been sleeping on them all year. Um, I'm sick and tired of Stetson Bennett already. Get that guy out of here. He's just, I don't want to say he's annoying, but he's annoying. <laughs> he's not all, quite on the Johnny Manziel level of annoyance, but he's, he's dude. He's getting, he's getting more and more. Di- like, I can't stand him more and more every game, dude. <clears throat> like, he has like oh, this, yeah. like, oh, yeah. I don't know what it is, man. He's just like, has this, oh, yeah, he's, he's not, not likable, likable anymore. Like last year, you could kind of pull for, oh, he's the walk-on quarterback, like feel-good story. It was a fun story. And then now yeah. he's just like utter like douchebag status, you know? Like, like no, yeah, like, get out of here. Like nobody likes you, okay? <laughs> you go up against a competent defense, you're not going to be able to go do crap. And so whenever we kind of talked for about sure. t- uh, Tennessee in the offseason, the question was the defense. And unfortunately, uh, it hurt them. And their offense played horrible. Like part of it is their offense played horrible. Yeah. Georgia played out of their minds. And like they just did not look comfortable being in the spot that they were in. And under the, hey, you're the best team and the, like yeah. they just didn't look like they were ready for the moment and on top of that being it on the road and they weren't playing at home like they did against bama uh like you're you're just like they they just weren't ready and and they played like crap uh so it felt like georgia took all the disrespect and just threw it right back at tennessee um so i mean like i don't i wouldn't expect another blowout like that to happen if they play again somehow in the playoffs but i would say georgia still probably wins that game seven or eight times out of ten but i don't know like that just it just felt like georgia just did not care what was happening and they were just going to dominate that game yeah and like the thing that kind of surprised me was georgia's pass rush finally like came alive and actually was a thing because it hadn't been all year um and so that was really kind of the big difference in the game was the pass rush for sure so um real quickly clemson gets destroyed by notre dame uh frauds okay 
They have been frauds. And hey, dude, your prediction came true. You called Clemson not at least losing a game the rest of the year. And I thought you were crazy looking at the schedule. And they freaking didn't. Dude, kudos to you, man. Let's, let's go. I was going to call it, too, on this. I was going to call the Notre Dame one. I wasn't just going to say they were going to cover. I was going to call it L. For some reason, I'm feeling Notre Dame right now. It's two straight weeks. I don't know why I like them. I'm just like feeling their vibe or something. <laughs> But I was not expecting them just Pimp to like slap them, dude. absolutely murder like Clemson. The <laughs> R.I.P. to DJ. It was a good run. We supported you as long as we could. Then you got the kiss of death. Wait, that was another one. We add can add it to, to our the, list. To the body bag count, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was last week, guys. Let, let's move forward. Uh, the new playoff poll came out. Our poll we're about to give you now. Um, just to give you a heads up, our top eight is the same as the AP and the college football playoff. So we're basically in alignment there. Uh, so we'll, we'll start top up and we'll go pretty quickly here. Uh, Washington at 25. We have Florida state back in the rankings at 24. You're welcome, Chad. Uh, 23. We have Kansas state <laughs> 22 Notre Dame in first time at our poll appearance 21. We have Illinois, um, at, uh, 20, we have Liberty after upsetting Arkansas. Like, let's go, dude. Hugh Freeze with his nice little job interview here. Is he getting the job? I don't know. Uh, 19, UCF. We have a tie at 17 with Texas and NC State. Uh, at 16, we have Tulane. At 15, we have Penn State. At 14, we have North Carolina. We have another tie at 12th. Uh, it seems that's kind of like the place that we always seem to have a tie every week is at 12. Um, but we have Utah and Ole Miss at 12. At 11, we have Clemson. And then we're getting into the top 10 here. So at 10, we have UCLA. At 9, Bama drops. They're down to 9. And then everybody else kind of moved up a spot. Uh, UC, USC is at 8. LSU up to 7. Crazy. Uh, 6, we have Oregon. Tennessee falls down from number one last week down to number five after getting drugged by Georgia on the road. And then Michigan State at three, or Michigan State, Michigan at three, Ohio State two, and Georgia one. Again, one through eight is the same as the AP and the college football rankings that just came out tonight as we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, so some thought, any thoughts on the rankings here, Mason? How did we go from Texas being completely unranked in our poll last week? Freaking to 17, dude. 17. I don't know, man. That's freaking crazy. <laughs> I think it was both of us. I think we, we have both them had pretty high. 17. We have them pretty high. I, I, I was the one that had them ranked last week. Die. I had them ranked in my poll last week, and they didn't make the actual full cut. Uh, but I definitely moved them up after some of these teams. There's just like a lot of losses in like between like uh, between like 10 down. Like Illinois lost and uh, you know, Cincinnati was out and uh, Kansas State lost. And, uh, you know, you just had these teams lose. And so they just kept moving up, you know. But, yeah, crazy. They're at 17. Yeah. Also, North Carolina. North Carolina, dude. They're, they're just climbing up. up been a lot they're of fun. going to have that showdown with Clemson in the ACC championship game. No playoff spot on the line. But, hey, it's still fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. How about this? Four Pac-12 teams. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So, like, it's crazy because, like, you talk preseason, everybody's like, hey, if if, if Oregon loses to Georgia and Utah loses to Florida, the Pac-12 has no shot because they don't have any good teams. 
shoot, they have like all these teams that are just bundled up and like all of them play each other too. Like it could get like they could go from yeah. like having playoff contenders to them all being beat up and no shot like that in the next couple of weeks. But it's going to be some really good games coming up for them. Okay, here's a quick thing. We don't have to go on a tangent about this, but if you're Oregon, do you sit back and actually question leaving Pac-12 now? No shot, dude. Because you're dominating. You're dominating this year. If it stays like this, you're basically winning the Pac-12 every I mean, year. Here's from the here thing. Here's the question to ask: USC's leaving after USC and UCLA leave. Are you still considered a Power Five conference? Or or is or Ooh. is the well? You'd have to go out and grab some other guys. Some, uh, some who other do you teams. get though? Like you're not taking anybody from the Big Twelve because they just added members. Like who who do you take? I still think they end up merging. Honestly, I think that's, that's probably it what it should because the Pac-12 right. is just going to die without USC and and UCF. More so you think yeah. without USC, but uh, I don't know, man. It, it'll be. Uh, we'll see. I do think that's interesting though. Like if they decide, like if they do merge, I would think it would be interesting to see if. Oregon decides, hey, I want to jump to the Pac-10 or I do want to stay in this merged conference. Because honestly, like they're going to be the top of the top for yeah, a for hot sure. minute. So let's move on. Let, we didn't get to do this last week, but let's do it this week, okay? So you, so you got your top four in the playoff, which it would be if it ended today again, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Man, what would it look like if we had a our 12-team playoff finally? What would that look like? We have a bracket here for you. Um, and and the rules, again, of the 12-team playoff is top four seeds, all of them have to be a conference champion. And then all the other ones are just based on the rankings. But the highest-ranked G5 champion or G5 team gets an auto bid. So those are, are the, the requirements here. And so this is what the playoff would look like. Your top four seeds would be Georgia at one. With, with how, we're, again, we're going based off of conference champions are going to be the highest ranked team what the rankings are currently. So so that's how we're, we're deciding it. We're not just going to be like, oh, I think USC is going to be the Pac-12, and I think you know Texas is going to win the, the Big 12 and blah, blah, blah. We're not doing that. We're doing it strictly on how the ranking set up. That's who we're picking as conference champions for, for the different conferences. So one is Georgia. Uh, two is Ohio State. Those are pretty easy. And then the rest of the top four is interesting because these aren't the top four in, in the polls. So at number three is TCU because they would be the Big 12 champ in this instance. And then number four is Oregon because they're the next highest conference champion uh, out of the Pac-12. So that's your top four, okay? All those get first-round buys. The one that is paired with Georgia is Alabama going on the road and playing at USC in an eight and nine matchup there. That's really interesting. Uh, the teams that are paired up with Oregon is Tulane, your G5, being at 12, going on the road to number five, Michigan. Could be interesting. They play up against Oregon, the winner in that one. The one paired up with Ohio State is a rematch of the 2019 National Championship game. Clemson going on the road to Death Valley, playing LSU, the real Death Valley. Okay, that would be a, a pretty interesting game. I'd pick LSU on that one, by the way. Uh, and then winner obviously plays Ohio State. <laughs> uh, and then the other one, Ole Miss going on the road to Neyland Stadium, playing against Tennessee, and the winner of that one playing TCU. This freaking looks awesome, dude. Like, why can't we have this now, Mason? You're preaching to the choir right now at this point. Good Lord. Um, 
I know we got to give the G5 some love and put the two lane in there, but this is not, that does not feel like it kind of ruins it. This year it kind of does ruin it. I mean, you take out two lane and who do you want to put in? You want to put in a a Utah or UCLA or North Carolina. I mean, Texas. I mean, I don't know. Who do you want to, who, who would you trade? Who would you trade here in the current rankings? Utah. Uh, Probably Utah or UCLA. I mean, either one, but it just it feels kind of weird having Tulane in there, but other than that, I mean that's awesome. That's that would be a lot of fun, having a UC, USC Alabama matchup in in the first round, and that's how, at, at the, the at him, USC. Dude. That would yeah. be a lot of fun. I would I would enjoy. And that. then Winter plays Georgia. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably get their brains beat out because apparently Georgia's <laughs> freaking insane now. No, screw Georgia. I'm still not on that train. <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and move on and let's do fantasy real quick and mason go ahead and give me the bad news cameron i beat you again buddy i've been trying since freaking week one or week two to get a two-game lead on you and it finally happened again on the back of my beloved Your Bo beloved bonics get fan. out of here with that. i'm just Whatever. the biggest fan you you're, know? you're going Bo Nicks Bo Nicks I've been trying to tell you, Bo Nix for Heisman. Five touchdowns this game. Freaking Bo Nix for Heisman. CJ Stroud, who? I don't know who CJ Stroud is. Give me I Bo don't Nicks. know who day in, day uh, you know, Stroud is either because I think he got blown away in like the hurricane in the middle of nowhere, America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Those what the heck, awful. dude? I turned that game on at halftime and saw the wind, wind mileage or whatever it was, and I was like, oh, <laughs> the camp curse hit again to the quarterback. <laughs> oh, dude, did it ever, man. Did it ever. So I had two zeros in my lineup this week and still beat you because my beloved Bo Nix just pulled right. through. So here's what, what, what's so your lineup for this now, week, Mason. <laughs> so now I have a two-game lead on you going into week 11. We got three weeks left. Um, just mathematically, I can end you this week, which I am planning <laughs> on doing. The Grim Reaper is right over your shoulder, and I'm 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 gonna give him the signal. Tap him in. Listen, you're just taking out the out. anger from the from the LSU Bama game on me on this fantasy. Okay, I, I am actually. <laughs> Look, you beat me. You got that Alabama LSU. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna plan on beating you and everything else, just to try and like kind of make up for it. It won't. Maybe my it heart, won't, will but it's okay. Be put put back together after that. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Beating you, I enjoyed it a little bit. All right, so quarterback, I'm going with Mr. C.J. Stroud. I don't expect him to be playing in the middle of a hurricane again this week, so we'll see what that happens. Uh, running back, I'm going with Bijan Robinson from Texas. He had an insane week last week. I don't remember what it was, but I know he's over 200 rushing yards. Uh, Jordan Addison, hopefully him and Mr. Caleb Williams will recreate some magic and give me some more points. Tight end, I'm going with Payne Durham. I don't really have anything nice to say about him. Don't really know who that is. I had to throw somebody out there. And in my flex, I'm going with the running back from Wisconsin, Braylon Allen. And I plan on just absolutely just running you. Listen, week, so you tell listen, me what, what I'll, I'll tell you what the winning what squad is here. OK, because I'm about to go on a three game <laughs> tear here, Mason. Come from behind and win this whole thing right here, right now. And it starts with my quarterback that ended your season on Saturday and is going to start the end of your fantasy season <laughs> This Saturday, Jaden Daniels, quarterback at LSU. Listen, you have a quarterback playing against Arkansas. You have to pick him. Arkansas is trash on defense, dude. Okay. So it's just a layup. 
All right. Uh, running back, I'm going with Mayan Williams from Ohio State. Kind of doing that to maybe steal some points over from C.J. Stroud on maybe like some one-yard line, like touchdown runs or something. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going a little strategic there with, with that pick. At wide receiver, listen, Wake Forest is playing North Carolina. And again, this is one of those, hey, that defense sucks, so I'm picking a wide receiver from there. So I'm going A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, their leading wide receiver over there. At tight end, we're at the the point in the season, Mason, where we're just like kind of picking guys out of thin air that we hope can do good. And so I'm going with Austin Stogner from South Carolina. Never heard of him, but hey, maybe he could get me a point or two. That might help. Uh, and then at flex, dude, I, I got to go with a running back here. I'm going to Blake Corn from Michigan because he's a freaking baller and, and can go off at any moment. So that's my team to start off the comeback uh, of my fantasy here to, to end the year on a three-game game winning streak. All right. I don't think you're ready for this, Mason. Cameron, so young, <laughs> so naive. <laughs> Too bad I can't pick my beloved Bo Nix because I would totally listen. Do that. Okay, so we kind of talk. I kind of. What are we thinking, Heisman? Now, dude. Like, what's the thoughts now? I mean, I still, I still really do think that it's um, C.J. Stroud, honestly. But I mean, like it feels like it's wide open, dude. Really? After like Hendon like, Hooker just choked I against mean, Georgia, like it's just like, and then you have the hurricane game with CJ Stroud happen. where he couldn't do anything. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, still with that though, like, I mean, but I don't okay, know. Who, who would I don't know. Another person be. I mean, is it Bo Nix? Like, re- legitimately, is, is it Bo Nix? Is it Blake Corum? Like, does Jaden Daniels somehow get a f- season-ending push? Maybe. Like, I don't know at this point, dude. It feels like it's up in the air, dude. I really like it. To me, is CJ Stroud still lose? Here's the but, thing: CJ Stroud, like, he's gonna think- win the Heisman only if they beat Michigan, and that's not a guarantee. If they beat Michigan and he actually has a good game. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I can see that. But, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, really, like you just said, maybe Blake Corum, but that also is it, you have to be at Ohio State. So I don't know if that happens, but also <laughs> it feel, just feels so disgusting. To have it, it really does. It doesn't feel right. It's like what freaking universe his, his numbers are there. Bo Nick is having a conversation yeah. Heisman without it being a joke. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, his numbers are there. Like, so it's hard, kind of hard to – to say no to i don't know let me ask you this does bell next come back next year he has a i don't know dude that gets really feisty if he he comes back back. oregon's a favorite to get in the playoff for sure because like here's the thing with bo nicks like the only reason you would go is like are you like a top two or three round draft pick like i don't know I think if you started off the conversation at the end of last year, right before he transferred from Auburn, Bo Nix probably oh, isn't sure. drafted. I mean, like you can make the argument that maybe seventh round, like somebody takes a flyer on him, but he's definitely un- probably undrafted. Coming in from this year, going into Oregon, still undrafted. After this season, I mean, would it surprise you if he was taking? It wouldn't third, surprise me now, because I, I don't think it would surprise me at all. If he comes back next year, does the same thing again, what happens then? First round, second round. I mean, if he if he duplicates duplicates these I mean, numbers, he, again. he would for sure at least get in the conversation for first round, for sure. Yeah, 
It's so weird. Like I feel disgusting yeah, I just talking about it. Dude. Like, like let's let's. It let, feels let's so just weird. Stop, like, because okay? <laughs> I just I just don't feel good about it. But let's talk about picks and, and get this get it, get our listeners out of here, Mason. Last week, um, I finally got ahead and I am climbing back up. Only one game behind on our overall uh, pick so far this year. La- last week, Mason, you went four and six, and so that makes your season um, uh, record forty one thirty eight and three. Uh, I went six and four, and so my I'm only one game behind, so I'm at forty thirty nine and three. So, a lot of good games this week, Mason. I had I was like, listen, I have a lot here. I can't put that one on, or I need to take this one off because there's just so many. There's a lot of good <laughs> games. Um, so we're gonna start again. We usually go in chronological order on time. So we're talking about LSU at Arkansas, classic trap game scenario. Typically, LSU is only a three point uh, favorite on the road. So What's your thoughts on uh, LSU Arkansas? Yeah, my ten and two Arkansas. Yeah, ten and two team isn't is looking not too good for you. Finishing ten and two, not. <laughs> not quite happening. I will be going with LSU that week or that game, and you know, I'm feeling pretty good about <laughs> yeah, it. I'm going to LSU as well. I think the cover, and honestly, I think they blow them out because Arkansas is trash, and KJ is like is beaten up to smoothereens. It seems like. <laughs> All right, next one. We got Oklahoma at West Virginia. Again, West Virginia is a hard place to play. Oklahoma isn't the same Oklahoma. I was kind of surprised on how big the line is here. Um, Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite in Morgantown. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I've been riding with West Virginia every time we pick one of their games for some reason. Uh, I really like their offense. Like you said, it's a tough place to play. Eight minus eight. Uh, that's kind of disgusting. So yeah, give me West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think the eight is way too high, and West Virginia is due just to have like one of those wins that you didn't really expect them to happen. Um, maybe you could say maybe the Baylor one was that, but I think they can get it done again, and I think they can beat Oklahoma on the road or at home, and at least cover the eight, dude. Like, the, like there's no way it should be eight. Uh, with this Oklahoma team because West Virginia can score and Oklahoma can't play defense. So I, I like the chances there. Uh, next one, and this is uh, going to be kind of interesting, Louisville going on the road to Clemson. Clemson obviously coming off the loss after they got blown out by Notre Dame and really kind of seems like their season is practically over. I mean, you can win the ACC championship, but that's not what they want over in Clemson. So Clemson is a seven-point, a touchdown favorite at home against Louisville. Does Clemson get off the mat and and figure out the way to to win by a touch over a touchdown against Louisville? Or does Louisville keep it close? I think Clemson gets. Uh, yeah, give me Clemson. Mister Kate Klubnik's gonna bring him back. <laughs> get him another win. All with DJ on the bench. So R.I.P. R.I.P. DJ. R.I.P. for DJ. Man, this one's a tough one for me. I think I'm gonna go Clemson as well, but I really want to be surprised if they didn't end up covering. I think they win, but I. I think that's really kind of on the edge here, uh, but, I, but I'll go Clemson as well. All right. Alabama at Old Miss, Alabama coming off a, uh, a tough one and, uh, and red stick uh, Mason. And uh, they're going to, uh, to the Grove and going to Old Miss and playing old lane train. They're at 12 point favorite Mason, 12 points. What's the thoughts on this dude? Uh, I'm gonna whisper Bama by hundred. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it too loud this week. (laughs) Listen, I I really, 
It's a confident it's whisper. A confident I whisper. love Bama <laughs> in this spot because I don't think Ole Miss is very good. I have never been high on them all year. Their defense is trash, and I think Bama can stop the run this week. Uh, I like Bama, but here's the thing. If like, you will know more about this Bama program this week than you did last week at the end of the game. Like we've been talking this whole time. We probably talked at least half over half the show on the Bama program and where it's at and where it's going and all this. You're going to find out about this Bama program and where they're at with Nick Saban on the road at Ole Miss this week. If they come out super flat and lose, then boy, it'll be a fun show next good. week too, dude. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, but, I, but I'm gosh. going Bama. <laughs> okay, so th- dude, this next game, and again, like it's, we, I pull up games and put out these lines and look at them and we pick them, and there's always at least one or two that's just like, what the heck is going on here? Like, what, what am I missing? This is it. This is a smell Iowa test State game. at Oklahoma State. Everyone would be like, oh yeah, Oklahoma State's going to be favored. You would be wrong, sir. Iowa State is a one-point favorite on the road in Stillwater. Oklahoma State has fallen apart in the last couple of weeks. What the heck is going on here, Mason? Like, what? What's your pick? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, give me Oklahoma State. <laughs> I don't know. That one doesn't pass this. this it really does at dude. all. It feels like it's free money, but I'm scared. I don't know. You know? I know. That's not, they're not feeling good about picking it at all. I mean, I would go with Oklahoma State. Just looking at the line, it making me question. Listen, myself. we we picked the same teams this whole time, and I'm still down a game. So I'll go Iowa State here. I, again, I don't feel good about it at all. But my thinking is like maybe just Vegas. Like Vegas is obviously smarter than me most of the time. But this is just one of the ways. Is like maybe I'll just accept it and I'll and I'll kind of roll with it. So so I'll go Iowa State <laughs> to win. <laughs> In in Oki in Oki Light, so let's go to the next one. Hey, I don't know uh, if you listen to Josh Pate or if anybody else does, but he's going to UCF and Tulane, which is super weird. Um, UCF at Tulane, uh, G five uh, program. Old Gus Bust bringing in UCF against Tulane here. Uh, Tulane's a two point favorite at home. What's your pick here? Are you going Gus Bust or are you going with the old Green Wave? No, I'm going with the hometown UCF. Give, give them to me, baby. Gus Bus has his place <laughs> popping down here. Uh, UCF is probably like 20 <laughs> minutes from me. I love it. Give me all the Gus Bus heat I can take. Uh, I'll, I'll go, uh, ooh, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to go Tulane. I'll go Tulane. I got to be different. I got I to gotta catch up here and take a lead. Uh, next one is <laughs> South Carolina at Florida. Florida goes on the road to Texas 8-4, and four, or 4-8 four and eight now, excuse me. Uh, and wins like I called last week and what I called even a couple weeks ago. I called my shot, Mason. I called it, and it freaking happened. I don't care if it was the flu or not. I was right. Okay, Florida goes and wins. They host South Carolina, and they're an eight-point favorite at home against South Carolina. What's your thoughts? (laughs) Gosh, I know you're about to sit here and pick South Carolina since they're your freaking the love of your life out here. Uh, I'm (laughs) I'm actually probably going to go South South Carolina. Eight what? minus eight is a lot. How are you going to throw shade so at me? I'm going to throw South Carolina. How are you going to throw shade at me? Listen, I had already just <laughs> typed in, pre-typed in Mason, Florida. I know and that's you're what you over think. Here that. trashing me, <laughs> and you're going to be like, "Oh, 
I'm actually going to pick Sokka. What is this, Mason? Okay. We're also in some weird universe because I'm freaking going to Florida Gators again. Okay. I'm going to Florida. Are you really? What the cover heck? the eight against South Carolina because South Carolina doesn't have a defensive line and they don't have an offensive line. And Florida's going to run it down their throat and do it. Spencer Rattler, baby. Spencer Rattler for Heisman. All right. What is going on in this episode? I, I am now confused. But we're moving on. We have a few more games. Huh? We're off the rails at this point. Oh, we're totally off the rails. We're, we're off the totally rails off. at this point. All right. We'll move on. We have uh, four more games to pick, basically. Four more coming down the stretch. Georgia going on the road to Mississippi <laughs> State. Uh, Mississippi State seems to be a uh, home team, and this is classic trap after a big emotional win for Georgia. What's your thoughts? Georgia is a – it's just so weird that these spreads are so high for SEC games. 16-and-a-half point favorite Georgia is on the road in Stark Vegas against the Bulldogs here. What's your thoughts on this one? I would rather – hmm. I'm just going to go with Georgia. I mean, they just murdered Tennessee. I'm sure they will be able to murder Mississippi State just fine and well. So <laughs> give me Georgia. Listen, I keep doing this, and it really it's only really worked out for me once with Florida barely going up against you know Georgia, my picks. But you know what? I'm ready to be hurt again. Uh, I'm ready, and I'm just going to pick Mississippi State. It's just the line is too high for me to just be like, oh, yes, you know what? I'm going with it. <laughs> 16 and a half on the road, dude. Like, I, I can't do it. I'm going Mississippi State. I, I just I, – I'm going State here. All right. I just I can't bring my <laughs> What game was it? I think it was two weeks ago. I don't remember who it was. And the spread was twenty and it was twenty two and a half. It was Florida, Georgia. It was like twenty two and a half. You picked Georgia, I picked Florida. And the half point Georgia wins Georgia by twenty two, so the half point saved me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What the heck? I was so pissed when I saw that. All right. <laughs> Three more. North Carolina going on the road to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a little favorite of ours in the rankings for a bit until it seems like they've kind of just lost uh, lost some juice here. North Carolina. Now our new favorite in the ACC, I guess. North Carolina on the road at Wake Forest. Wake <laughs> Forest is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. What's your thoughts? Kind of worried that North Carolina is our <laughs> new favorite. But I'm gonna stick with them. Give me all the Drake May I Drake could take. May, dude, against Sam Hartman, it'll be like, uh, listen, if the if the total on this game is like in like the 70s, take the over, guy. It's gonna be like 200 oh, points yeah. scored in this game. It's gonna oh, be yeah. like a freaking basketball score or something. Uh, I'm gonna go North Carolina as well. Uh, I like Drake May, I think, better than Sam Hartman, and they keep turning the ball over. So I'm going to go with North Carolina as well. That was another Bama message board thing I saw, that everybody is ready for Drake May to transfer to Alabama. Everybody's already trying to call it. (laughs) Like, get out of here. Come on. Uh, So stupid. All right. Texas 4-8, and dude. Going on the road to Auburn. Listen, if, <laughs> this is the game that I that I told you, Mason. It's actually, okay? realistic. <laughs> I have secretly really liked Auburn in this game for a couple of weeks, being like legit. Hey, Texas A and M could legitimately go four and eight because of their schedule. And it's honestly, oh it's down gosh. to this game. They have to win out to make a bowl game. They play at Auburn. They play UMass, and then they play LSU. 
They have to win all those to get to a bowl game. Auburn is a two-point home favorite after the fight that they had against Mississippi State. And Texas A&M is legitimately staring down the barrel of a four and eight season, which is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for this, dude. Like, oh, my God. Like, Auburn's a two-point favorite. What's the pick here for you, dude? Okay. I'm going to go with Auburn. I'm going to throw my pick out there just pretty quickly. And I'm going to have to ask you. Let's say LSU actually loses this week. And then they're sitting there against Texas A&M with the SEC championship on the line. And then Texas A&M just rips your heart out. What is that going to do We're not, not going to speak of if this. If it's Texas A&M okay. that kills I'm not you. Even, I'm not even going to entertain if it's Texas the A&M idea of Mason. <laughs> Dude, like, oh my, God. my heart. I can't even imagine what's going to happen that episode. If that happened, dude, after all the trash <laughs> that I have been throwing at a of this season, for that to happen, like, you, you, like, you honestly would probably need to check on me on Sunday, dude. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, that is one of those, like, heartbreaking moments that would happen. <laughs> SEC championship on the line. Texas A&M beats LSU. I can't even imagine what you would do, bro. Courtney oh, might God. might call for help, guys. Okay, it, it oh. might happen, but it's not gonna happen, Mason. <laughs> it's not happening. Okay, Auburn is winning the game. Texas eight and oh. four or four and eight is gonna be Texas four and eight this season. They're gonna lose this week to Auburn. They're gonna beat UMass, and they're gonna oh, lose LSU dr- wonderfully, spectacularly. Uh, but yeah, I'm going. I'm going Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last game that we have for you, and, and this is kind of more of a uh, shout-out for uh, our friend Chad, big Florida State fan. Florida State going on the road to the Carrier Dome. Syracuse, they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite is Florida State on the road. What's your thoughts on this one? Uh, give me Florida State. Um, I don't, I'm, not a big, or I'm not a big Syracuse guy right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking Florida State. Listen, Mason, you're not a big Syracuse guy. I'm not a big Syracuse guy after they made me look like a freaking fool with <laughs> Notre Dame. Okay? I'm over them. They are dead to me now. And I like Florida State. Uh, Florida State's going to win, and they're going to cover. And it's going to be a feel good because I get to see Syracuse freaking suffer after they've done dirty to me. Okay? Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's unforgivable. The fighting Irish, baby. Unbelievable. They reign. Okay. So that's the episode, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to interact with us on social media. Give us your thoughts on our poll as we post it on social media. will probably be up by the time that you listen to this. Uh, really, thank, uh, thank you so much. Mason, you were a good sport. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. You might not have <laughs> as much fun, but it's fine. <laughs> listen, no, not listen quite. you can just go uh, to bed now and, and just cry in your pillow as Mecca, Mecca is probably super I can, happy can but unfortunately you know not go to bed right then, now then you can just cry <laughs> in your rocking chair okay you know do what you gotta do yes you, y'all can cry, cry together we can and cry uh, together. I will uh, go have a, uh, another glass of whiskey to, uh, to sit so <laughs> for us thank you guys again <laughs> for listening and we will catch you next week <laughs>